Welcome to CVAR, a COVID vaccine adverse reactions podcast where vaccine injured share resources and hope without censorship. Each brave guest provide insight into their journey. This podcast does not replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host author, Bon Galt and her guest. Welcome to CVAR, a COVID vaccine adverse reactions podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt, and today we talk to Angelia Desell about her uncontrollable jitters and burning nerve damage that made it hard for her to walk, which developed after the COVID-19 mRNA inoculation, and what we can learn from her experience. We also talked to her adult son, Mr. Brant Greiner. So with that, Angelia and Brant, welcome to CIVAR. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for coming. So now CIVAR, just for everybody to know, CIVAR is the number 12 out of 30 most listened to vaccine podcasts worldwide. So thank you all to the, all the CVAR audience. I received a lot of emails from listeners for more episodes. However, I will caveat that I don't know how long I will be able to keep this podcast running. The reason why is because many of my brave guests I schedule are getting much more sick to the point that they cannot hold a conversation much longer. So out of an abundance of caution and respect, I canceled much of the dozen episodes I had scheduled to produce. So I will try my very best to produce new episodes, but we need to count our blessings and learn from what we already have gathered so far. Therefore, I ask all of you to please comb through the existing episodes for critical information that will help you or your loved ones who've been vaccinated with mRNA shots who are experiencing or showing up early signs of adverse events. So we, we're going to work together in this and try to get real-time information on what people are learning from the experiences. So with that, let's go into learning from Angelia and from Brant from their experience. So let's start. Um, so Brant, can you tell us what your mom's life was like before she got the COVID-19 vaccine? Well, my mom was, you know, just any typical lady, I guess. She went to work, come home, and she enjoyed fishing and going out with my stepfather and just had a normal life, pretty much. I mean, she never had any kind of disabilities or anything that prevented her from doing everyday activities before. She she liked to, you know, go out and drink with her, her friends from work, and, and her, they live in a nice neighborhood over there in New Orleans, and they, uh, they had a bunch of activities they always did, you know, fundraisers and all kinds of stuff. So she was pretty active and normal. Yeah. And Angelia, I mean, what were some of the things, what kind of activities did you do that you just love to do that you cannot do any longer? Um, I, I can no longer exercise. Um, I love to garden in my flower beds. I can't, I can't do that anymore. Um, I pretty much can't do anything. Um, I very seldom leave my home. 
Um, I have really bad days and on those days I can't drive. Um, sometimes I can't even feed myself. So my life has been totally turned upside down. Mm. Well, let's rewind back to kind of the beginning of this journey that you're going through. So people can understand um, the thought process and what you were going through and thinking of all the way down to where you are today. So Angelia, where did you get your information about the safety and efficacy of this um, so-called vaccine early on? Right, right. I I didn't get any information, no more than what the media was putting out there. Um, I trusted the media. Yeah, I was a healthy 45-year-old woman. Why in the world would I not take my COVID vaccine? I worked in the medical field. And I had um, elderly parents, you know, I wanted to protect everyone from me. So without hesitancy, I just, it it was a no brainer for me. I rolled up my sleeve the first day they rolled out in my area and I went to my vaccine. Right, right. And not just for people who want to automatically judge, you know, how could you not do your research? How could you not, you know, do a little, little more digging? It is very normal to um, just trust that the information that you are seeing on the, the news and which news did you consume your information from? Just our uh, national news. Fox. National news. Yeah. You know, getting back to that, I managed the surgery center and I made sure that everyone who wanted their flu vaccine every year, I ordered those flu vaccines and I made sure those flu vaccines were administrated. So I have always trusted the whole vaccine process. Um, so, you know, when this rolled out, why, why wouldn't I trust that? And it is totally my fault. And I take complete responsibility for not doing a little bit of research of my own. Right. Um, Brett, what is, what is your opinion? What, what is your perspective on, on that of, just trusting the healthcare system to be forthcoming about potential risk and side effects, trusting the, um, the national news and just basically all of the information that's being given to the public, that messaging, um, but nothing, nothing has been mentioned about any p- potential risk or adverse event, events that you should look out for or that some people could experience. That isn't brought out because of um, fear that it contributes to vaccine hesitancy. And so people aren't really getting both sides of the information so they can make full, full, you know, informed consent. So what is your thoughts on that? As you are, you know, watching your mother go through this, do this early on when she was um, coming down with some of these symptoms after getting the shot? Well, I mean, whenever the, the whole pandemic first happened, you know, they used a bunch of fear-mongering tactics on, on media, mostly the social media and the news and everything. I mean, they're still doing it now, but <clears throat> even, you know, President Trump pushed it to get get created as fast as it did and, and uh, it come out. And I mean, before this, just me personally, I've never been one to question my doctor. If I go to the doctor and he says, you got strep throat, you need this shot. Like, okay, well, give me the shot. I'll be better. You know, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've never never even thought about it that's not my job to research what the doctor is giving me that's what the doctors do the doctors are supposed to save your life they're supposed to help you but 
I guess at the time that this came out was around the time of all the uh, election problems were going on in the 2020 election. And I was already exposed to the whole uh, media's lying to you kind of conspiracy theory, I guess everybody wants to call it. And my mom said she was going to get this shot on uh, January the 5th. And I was like, oh, well, good. You get to be the guinea pig because I don't trust it really, you know. Well, mm. I mean, I actually told her that and I kind of actually felt bad for saying that. But with what I've seen happen, but, you know, I've, I've never been one to question the medical the medical field whatsoever. I mean, I figured that, you know, they go to college for years and years. They study, they do all their research and they're, you know, they're supposed to take care of people. But then I see something, what happens to my mom and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, well, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe something just happened just to her. But then after it happened to my mom, we started finding, I mean, thousands of people that are just like her having the same problems. And you go tell a doctor and a doctor looks at you like, oh no, you're crazy. It's, it's not really happening because of the shot. And I'm like, well, I, I could see that in one person, maybe, maybe two or three, but you start seeing thousands of people that all have the exact same problems. And then doctors just do not try to help. They don't try to do anything. I have completely lost faith in all medical. I mean, there's, I can count on one hand how many doctors that I trust that I know. I mean, I, I, I can't possibly imagine why they would do this. I'm sure it has something to do with money, but they're not, it's like they're not trying to actually help people anymore. I mean, you go to a clinic and they won't even see you until you pass a COVID test. And COVID is just a common cold, you know, right. some people, but so is the common cold. Right, right, right. And that's, and, and that's, that is a truth that people have developed pneumonia and died from the flu prior to COVID. So, um, you know, that brings about the question also about early treatment. So I know, Angelia, you worked at the hospital and you were a healthcare professional. This happened before any mandates. So was this was this part of a rollout of this is for first responders, for healthcare professionals, you know, and you took the option to do it. Was that or did they give you guys any other options like early treatment? Because you're working in the hospital, so you would know. Yes, um, it was a rollout in our state for healthcare workers. Um, I actually managed, it was an outpatient surgery center and I went to the hospital to take the injection. I try not to call it a vaccine, um, but I was not persuaded at all by my work. As a matter of fact, my administrator said, don't go take that thing. But you know, um, I've had death in my family from COVID. Mm -hmm. I've loved ones because they did not get the proper treatment that they needed. And what kind of proper treatment do they need that they did not get? From, from COVID, mm -hmm. they need ivermectin, hydrochloroquine. You mm -hmm. know, that's a proven fact. Um, ivermectin has literally got me walking again. So I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah. But, you know, um, I just went, you know, I just went and took it the first day it rolled out for healthcare workers. Like I said, I trusted the science. I've always trusted the science. I don't trust the science anymore. Right, right. Well, something has definitely, it seems to have gone astray um, recently when it came to this, this campaign rollout. So, you know, the, the, the thought of I'm going to go get inoculated to protect my family who um, or high risk is a very common one. And I completely respect that. That's just out of love. And 
trust in your family doctors and the healthcare profession that's been taking care of you for all the other ailments you've had in the past and trust in the organizations that they have checks and balances to keep us safe is is completely normal. So nobody can be blamed for that. Um, so your family members who died of COVID prior to you getting inoculated, they didn't get any early treatment. So they just got really sick and then just went to the hospital and then pass on. What happened to them while they're in the hospital? Do you know what kind of treatments they did get? Just put on a ventilator. Just put on a ventilator, okay. Okay. Um, so we know the reasons why you got the shots. Were you given any other, like a variety of brands to choose from when you went in? No, I was only given the choice of the Pfizer. That was what was available in our area. Okay. Now, did you have any pre-existing conditions going in? Is that a factor when you were doing it at the time? No, I had no pre-existing conditions. So take us back to the day that you, you got the shot. So. Um, it, when you went in, you went into what, your hospital to get it? Yes. Um, actually, yesterday was my one-year anniversary. Um, I took my lunch break. I drove over. Um, the, I remember it like it was yesterday because it, it completely changed my life. Um, so I walked in. I signed the little forms. And um, they had had several lines, several injections lined up on the table and um, they were, you know, just giving them, giving them, giving them. And um, the lady called out, I have one left and I was up next. So they injected me and actually handed me back all of my paperwork. They were so worried about um, getting another batch brought in. I never returned in my paperwork, so I kept my paperwork with me. And um, what kind of paperwork did you fill out? What um, it was actually the release form, and just you know, stating you know that I didn't have any heart disease or I never had anaphylactic shock to the flu vaccine. Um, and then at the bottom, you know, that I couldn't hold the pharma reliable, just the normal standard paperwork, and um. They, then they gave me, you know, a, a little piece of paper that was actually a photocopy of the card. I don't even actually have a, a real card. Right. Um, so they didn't even make me wait, which was really weird. I know you're supposed to wait 15 minutes. But, um, wait. Mm -mm. Mm. No, I, I got my injection in my left arm and went and got back in my car. And I think I called my husband and told him that I just went and got my injection and, um, I went back to work. Within well, let me ask you. Let me ask you something really quick, Angelia. So, um, the form that you filled out at the time. What if you had had checked that you did have, like, anaphylactic shock or some kind of reaction from any one of those those things? What if you did that? Apparently, it doesn't matter. Um, mm. I have some really close friends with another vaccine injured. Her name is Sean Villietta or Sean Skelton. And she actually checked that, and I know she won't mind me discussing this because we share everything. She had actually checked that she had anaphylactic shock to the flu vaccine and the mm -hmm. pharmacist looked over her form twice and still gave her her shot. And she is just mm. like, me. Mm -hmm. hmm. well, they changed it on the CDC website, but early on, I know from my personal experience, because I did have paralysis from the flu shot a long time ago. 
And um, as a caregiver for my handicapped brother, which was the reason why uh, in January, I was going to get it as well. Um, I checked that box. Uh, it was on, because you had to register online. Mm-hmm. I checked that box and it rejected me saying, oh, if you check this box, you can't get it. So then I never, I was like, oh, I guess God doesn't want me to go get it. So I didn't go get it. And then never went and got it. Um, and I, and, and I wasn't, I was, wasn't really interested in getting it, but I was going to get it for my brother. Um, but just like, just the same exact reasons that you had to get it for your loved ones to protect them. Right. So, and so forth. But, um, for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't work out and I didn't get it. Um, and so I started researching to see the rest of my family who was interested in getting it uh, for their personal reasons, just to, just to understand what is it they're getting. And I didn't get very much information early on. There wasn't very much out there. So the censorship in big tech was doing a wonderful job preventing us from seeing anything. And I searched. So I completely understand that. But the thing I wanted to know before you get into the symptoms you start experiencing quickly when you went in and they had the shots all lined up did the person who administered did they give you the information pamphlet that came with each one of these shots so you can read any of the disclaimers or warnings nothing there was a there was a couple of pieces of a couple pieces of paper on a table and you were just supposed to pick up the pa- the pamphlets as you went along it was almost like an assembly line you know they set it up um I still have all of the paperwork the only thing you know was flu-like symptoms soreness at the injection site that was it (laughs) no one ever told me about these neurological issues that I would be having you know no so no one went over any possible adverse reactions at all no none no Okay. They, they, I'm telling you, they were more worried about getting the next batch in there to put more shots in arms than they were anything else. Like they didn't even make me wait my 15 minutes or take my paperwork. Okay. Did they inform you and remind you that this is a clinical trial and this is under emergency use? Did they no. express that? Absolutely not. The only thing she said to me was, which arm do you want it in? And I said, I guess my left. Mm. That okay. was it. Okay, so tell us what happened after you got the shot. Um, I went back to work. Within two hours, I received this severe headache. Um, I kind of thought that might be normal, you know, because it said it might be flu-like symptoms, but like this was within two hours. Um, This was on a Tuesday. So I came home that night. I slept for around 13 hours. I came directly home from work, ate a little bit, went right to bed, and I slept. The same thing for Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I woke up and I was real dizzy and just disoriented. I told my husband, I said, something is definitely not right with me. And um, I almost passed out. I draped back across the foot of the bed. I never missed work. That's just something I didn't do. So I took some Advil and I gathered myself up once I got to feeling a little better and I went on to work. Um, still didn't feel well Friday. Uh, I just was struggling. I was really fatigued. The headache never got rid of the headache. The headache had stayed with me from the two hours after the injection. What is the headaches like? I mean, how is the headaches different than a normal headache? It was a pain that radiates from the back of your neck. It goes up 
to the top of your head. I'd never experienced anything like that. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I never even really had headaches before, you know, I, I just wasn't a common person to complain of a headache. And um, Friday night, me and my husband were laying in bed and I got out of bed around 1130 to go use the restroom and I couldn't use my left leg. It just didn't work anymore. So you got out, uh, did you get out of bed and it just was? Yeah, it, it wouldn't do anything like it, it would not hold my weight. It would just it just didn't work at all mm. I couldn't do anything with it and I told my husband I said well something is wrong with my leg this is really weird I didn't know if it was maybe the way I had been sleeping I I, I didn't know what was wrong with it mm. so I got back in bed and I drifted off back to sleep well Saturday morning when I woke up both of my legs were gone I could not use them at all I could not walk. I, you I could lift yourself up. You could lift yourself up up a I bed, but you. Up. It was but, from the from like my my hips down. Just did not work at all. Um, so my neighbor came over, and um, we were kind of they were just around me, you know, talking like, "My goodness, what could be going on with you?" And she brought over her blood pressure cuff, and we took you know my vitals, and um, everything seemed to be fine. Well, while they were standing over me is when the full body convulsion started. And I just started a seizure-like activity. My whole body shakes out of control, uh-huh. but I'm awake and I can tell you what's going on. I can speak to you. It might not be clear speaking, but I can communicate. So, okay, so let that- me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because for people who... Who've, who've never experienced seizures or have been exposed to a family member that's having seizures mm-hmm. and that is aware while it's happening. Uh, like they can look you in the eye and go, something's happening. They're not completely knocked out. Mm-hmm. Explain what it feels like. So if somebody comes up with this symptom, they know mm-hmm. what to expect. So explain that for people. What? Well, for my personal experience, my convulsions are... I have trigger warnings. Um, sometimes the top of my head will go numb and I know it's about to happen. Like within um, 30 seconds, within a yeah, minute? Or- it could be five minutes or an hour. I just know something's about to happen. And then I get that radiating pain that I was just telling you about in my head. Mm. And then you get this internal vibration if that makes sense to you it's just like the whole inside of your body is shaking out of control and it works this way from the inside out and what does that feel like is it what is what is happening to your organs what do you feel happening to your organs if you're saying it feels like you're just your heart your stomach everything is just shaken um I've never experienced anything like this before. And if it happens to anybody out there listening, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Your whole body just starts shaking out of control and you can't stop it. People can hold you down, but they will be shaken with you. Um, You can't sit on top of me and hold me. It doesn't work. Everything just shakes out of control. Um, I, I can tell you I'm hot, put my hair up you know, I'm sweating, get me a, a, a rag. Um, I have lost vision a couple of times during the convulsions, but it does come back. Uh, everything kind of goes into like black dots. 
Um, but I've always been able to hear. Now, some of my vaccine injured friends have completely went out, you know, like unresponsive. That has not happened to me yet, but it has happened to a couple where they just go completely unresponsive. Mm. Wow. Okay. So thank you for explaining that. That's really helpful for people to understand like that for you, you got some, mm-hmm. some um, feeling in your head and, and movement in your head and it goes from, from your organs out. So how long does these seizures typically last? My longest one has been 13 hours. My God, that's like giving birth. 13 hours. So what happens yeah. to your body afterwards? I mean, uh, you are you are completely drained. All of your muscles stiffen and tighten. Um, you're completely exhausted. It, it doesn't matter if it lasts five minutes or if it lasts five hours. The five minute ones are just as rough on your body as the five hour ones. So when this and this happens on a daily basis for you? It did in the beginning, uh, from about January to April, that was a day. That was my daily life. Um, I had a couple of good months between April and June, the, the tremors and the convulsions were still happening, but it just wasn't constant. You know, if I only had one a day, I was, I considered that a good day. And then in June, I lost the use of my legs again. Like they, they quit working. So they, just, and they completely quit working for what? Five minutes for how no, long? Days, 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 days. Okay. Yeah. 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 So let me ask. So um, let me ask Brent. So Brent, as you are hearing this, because your mother, you know, you always are talking to your mother and she's talking to other people as well. Um, what did you notice in terms of her ability to walk or her ability to kind of be mobile? Um, for, you know, because while she's in there, she's struggling to do it herself. But what did you notice looking out in? You, you mean while she's having a convulsion? Yeah. And then afterwards. <clears throat> well, during there, there is no walking. I mean, she gets in the fetal position. I mean, it's there. It, she doesn't have control over her body pretty much. I mean, there's, she, she could pull her legs up. She might could straighten them out, but it, it, I guess it seems more relaxing to pull her knees to her chest. It's from my experience. Um, everybody always wants to hold her down, but it doesn't work. I mean, in the beginning, that's what she wanted. But then, you know, after you do it so much, she, she would tell you, stop, it's not helping. It's not going to help me. Just let it happen. And then afterwards, you know, I mean, um, she, she would always complain of being sore and like a, having an extreme workout. She's got calves of steel now. I mean, mm. her legs constantly shaking all the time. Her body, con- I mean, it, it, it kind of, it's like doing a massive workout on your body. You know, I mean, the muscles are just, I guess, spazzing the whole time. And it's, I guess it would be kind of like having a Charlie horse all over your whole body, just in and out, in and out, in and out. It's, but, um, I mean, it, it, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Now, Angelia, how long does it take for you to you know, begin to be mobile again after one of these episodes? It's according to how bad it is. Um, if it's a long one, it takes about two days. You know, 
and that's only if it's just one. Um, my like like my son was saying, my muscles are rock hard all the time. Like sometimes I have problems just straightening my leg out because my muscles are so hard and stiff. Um, that's that's kind of a hard question to answer. I really. You know, it kind of just basically depends if it's a five hour one or if it's a five minute one. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I can honestly say, though, I don't know if I've ever had a convulsion just to last for five minutes. They, you know, they're they're pretty they're pretty intense. They're pretty hard. And they're just they're they're really they're really bad. Now, the tremors, I have tremors all the time. I can deal with just my hands shaking and my legs shaking. Um, I've learned how to live like that. Like I said, yesterday was my one year anniversary and, you know, it's just become part of my life. So, so you don't know what it's like to just be still anymore. No, I do. I do have a few good days here and there. Mm -hmm. You know, it, my life is definitely better than it was this time last year. Um, I do have good days and then the bad days. Are really bad now because my body is not conditioned like it was in the beginning if that kind of makes sense mm -hmm. yeah your body gets used to going through that constantly and it conditions your body well now when it happens it's like everything is just back over again you know and the stiffness and the soreness and the tightness of my muscles is really difficult to walk let me ask you this, because I know people are going to want to understand. So if they have this symptom that comes up um, and yours lasts for 13 hours and sometimes it takes, you, it takes you upwards of two days before you can get mobility again. Uh, how do you like go to the bathroom? I have a neighbor that comes over. She's on my speed dial. Um, she helps me during the day and my husband helps me at night. I mean, in the beginning, I had to have 24-hour care. I could not be left alone. My parents would drive in from Mississippi on the days that I didn't have anyone to sit with me. But I had to have 24-hour care. And that was so hard to accept. You know, uh, I'm supposed to be taking care of my parents. They're not supposed to be taking care of me. Right. You, you, you have to kind of accept the situation and, and, and humble yourself and allow them to basically feed you and, and change you and, and uh, not, and just accept it instead of being embarrassed about the bodily functions that are happening as you're going through this. Um, on the psychological aspect, how, how did you cope with that? Because that's going to take people some time to deal with the psychological aspect of being basically handicapped during this episodes. I will never be the same person again. You know, the person I was before January the 5th is gone mentally. I'll never be that person again. It, um, I've done lots of crying. Um, it's been tough, you know. I've, my life has literally been stripped from me. You know, one of my, one of the sayings that I use is um, Pfizer spent my life without killing me. And I feel like that's what happened. Um, my life will never be the same.
regardless if I am completely healed, I'll never be the same mentally. Are there any other symptoms that you live with as well? Um, yes, I constantly have tendonitis ringing in my ears now. That's something that's totally new. Um, bee stings. I feel like I have bee stings all over my body. That's, you know, I've never experienced anything like that. Uh, Describe the bee sting so people know it, what that is like. It literally, that's the best way to describe it. It's just jolts of burning, like a bee is stinging you. Um, I have numbness in my extremities now. Never had that before. Um, tingling, burning in my extremities. That's, that's always just a constant. The headache gets really bad, but it never completely goes away. You know, I can deal with a mild headache. It's just those severe headaches that are, that are really bad. Um, brain fog. I have a lot of brain fog. I, I might tell, tell somebody the same thing over and over like five times, like, especially my neighbor, she'll say, you've already told me that like three times. And I have always been a very sharp mind. Um, I, I can't add and subtract normal numbers like I used to. And it's absolutely crazy. You know, I used to work with numbers and money all the time. And that's just a thing of the past. Excuse me, everybody. I'm popping in a cough drop so I don't cough during the, um, the recording because I'm getting over a cold. But I'm going to show some of Angelia's symptoms. Um, and she has a YouTube channel to share her experience. I'm going to show it from within her YouTube channel. So if you wanted to follow um, the updates that she puts up there, you can do so. So bear with me. I'm going to bring it on. All right. So this is Angelia DeSalle's YouTube channel. This is what happens sometimes. Just uncontrollable shakes in my legs. There's no sense of holding me. It doesn't help.
Okay, stop it and hold me. So it just started out with my hands this morning. And now as you can see, it's moving all over my body. I can't even keep my phone still. So you guys can check those out on her YouTube. Let me just... Well, what we're going to do next is I'm going to pull up the various database to look up um, Angelia's symptoms in various. So let me go here. Pull this out here. Okay, you guys. Pull this up here. Okay, so this is the various database and the link is in the show description. This has actually changed. So if you've been following the episodes very, from earlier episodes, you, you had seen me go in to VARES and look up batch numbers, look up lot numbers to see if there's any similarities that other people have reported in those lot numbers. And you've seen the evolution of how they have changed the CDC website. And now it's even harder to find. So the link that I put in the description is the one that goes straight there and it looks like this. So what you need to do is you need to hit I agree. And then you go to the VAERS data search. Okay. And we're just gonna keep the gen everything general. So symptoms, general, everything, gen just open it up. And we're gonna go down to, to the vaccine part of it and just select COVID-19 vaccine, that's it. That's all the parameters. And we're gonna to go to the vaccine lot. And actually, um, Brant sent me your vaccine card. Um, and in the vaccine card, it said it was lot number 145. Do you have that vaccine card so people can see that? It's, it's actually lot number EL042. E it's EL042. I do have the card. Okay, yeah, show everybody the card. Okay, e uh, and get, I've got to go grab it. Hold on one second. Okay, no worries. I'm going to put the lot number. Now, what does the lot number that you guys have? EL042. 0142. EL0142. Okay. So let's just look at EL0142 and see what comes up. I think the EL part, um, ah, it does come up. Okay, here, let's see here. It's around here. Okay, so let's see what we're looking at. This is current as of 1224, 2021. And these are the symptoms for that lot number. So we're gonna change this up, change it up. Okay, so we're gonna change the percentage up to high to low and then the reporting from high to low. And so these are the most common symptoms that were reported based on that lot number. 
Let's take a look at the totals here. There's a lot of symptoms. So the total reported so far into the various reporting system in the United States is 8,272 people. Okay. So these are the, and please tell us, Angelia, if these are some of the things that you experienced. The most common response was headache. Yep. 24% of that lot number had headache. Pyrexia. Do you know what pyrexia is? I do not. Okay, well let's look let's look this up because a lot of the medical terms people don't understand, but um, I always recommend CVAR listeners when they're researching symptoms and they're looking at this, just go and search it on the search engine. So pyrexia is a fever. I've never had a lot of fever. No. Okay. Let's not the next. I Okay. Um, fatigue, yes. chills, pain, yes. nausea, COVID-19. Did you I get COVID-19? I have not had COVID-19 that I am aware of. Okay. Um, so 11% of the, of this batch number got COVID-19. Um, a positive <laughs> SARS-CoV-2 test. No. About 10% of them had a positive uh, test. Dizziness. Myalgia. Yes. yes. Are you familiar with what myalgia is? Yes. What is it? It's fatigue, right? Myalgia. Let's take a look. Look, look at it. Myalgia. Uh, overuse a particular muscle group or repetitive strain injuries. So like muscle, muscle. Oh, um, muscle, yeah. Absolutely, all of my muscles are completely overstrained. Uh, some of the related conditions are hypothyroidism and rheumatoid arthritis. Maybe those are related down the road or something. Or if I, I'm not really sure about that, but something to keep in mind. Um, let's see what else are the common symptoms: pain in the extremity. Mm-hmm. Well, now. I want to ask about the pain in the extremity for a woman. Did you notice any differences in your menses? I had actually had a hysterectomy in 2012, 2013. Okay. So, no. So, can you, for, for women who are like, well, what can you describe this pain? Can you describe to people what the pain in the extremity felt, feels like so they know what it's like it's you have stomach pain you have arm pain leg pain it's pain all over your body um it could be a stabbing pain a dull aching pain i mean there's several different there's several different pains that you feel throughout the entire situation um i guess that's why doctors don't know what to do with this because there's really so many different ways that you can describe it right okay well here's another one um about 7.4 percent of this batch recipients had arthralgia i don't know what that is do you know what that is no, i do not i'm gonna look over what that is real quick and it's joint pain mm-hmm. uh related again to um Discomfort, pain, or inflammation arising from any part of a joint, including mm-hmm. cartilage, bone, 
bone, bone, ligaments, tendons, or muscles. So, okay, let's see. Let's do a couple more of these. Um, what's the you next said there one? Was eight thousand, eight thousand people reported something to, with this. Eight thousand two hundred and seventy-two from this batch number. Eight thousand two seventy-two. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, I, just, I just happened to notice that down there it says two percent. Died. Where? Where? <laughs> right. Uh, it says death right there. And then it says 2%. Where? I'm going to look at uh, 2%. Uh, oh, you, oh. Yeah. I just happened to see it. So that oh. means 100, 165 of those people died. Uh, no, death, 36 people uh, from this batch died. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, let me see. Let me go back to where we were really quick. You're reading far, farther down than we are. We haven't got there yet. Um, and there's also dysphonia. See, these words, most people don't understand. So I just recommend, um, I recommend using DuckDuckGo search engine because you're going to get a little bit more um, information with maybe some medical research about these different symptoms and, and so forth. But if you use Microsoft, Bing, or or Google, or any other search engines, um, they're good for just basics. But just trevor's on there. Uh, we're gonna go through it. Uh, let me see. Okay. It's a shortness of breath. So dysphonia is shortness I, of breath. I definitely have shortness of breath. Um, I had to go to the doctor today, and just walking from the doctor's office back down to the car, I was completely out of breath. Yeah, seven point four percent experience that uh let's go through a couple of other ones here we're getting down into so itching isn't you know i would really like a lot of these terms to have another column column that just has common language like this means itching extreme itching this means short shortness of breath so that people don't sit there and scratch their head um let's do let's do two more this a two people out of this badge had asthenia what's asthenia let's take a look it's a weakness okay extreme fatigue it would be helpful for a column that says extreme fatigue so i pretty <laughs> much had all of the symptoms except the fever Except the fever. Okay, let me do this one. Uh, lymph. Okay, so swollen lymph nodes. I have swollen lymph nodes in my armpits from time to time. Okay, uh, it, it's auto. It's an indication of an autoimmune issue yeah. or and infection. Actually, my ANA labs were positive for an autoimmune disorder, but they can't figure it out. Right. They don't want to figure it out. They don't, yeah. they don't want to figure it out. Let's just put it like that. We're going to talk about the different things that the doctors have, have, um, have done or not done. Uh, so as you can see, everyone, when you go into the, the various site, the link is in the description. You're going to have to look a little bit more um, pages to get into it. And then you put your lot number in uh, and then it'll pull up. Um, if anybody has had problems with the lot number, 
And um, as, as you're seeing, you want to check to see if you have any of these, see that other people are, do, are experiencing it. And yes, um, down here, death, that should be like a number one averse event. <laughs> you think? It should definitely be in the pamphlet. It should definitely be. You would, you would think? I, I, I would think if, but um, if I cared about my patients, um, I, I would think that when you put it in the pamphlet or when you give it as a disclosure, the top 15 or so, you should put it up there. Like, oh, these are the common symptoms. And then death too, just so you know. 2% um, of you will have death. So, and then people can decide if they want to move forward. So, um, I mean, less than 1% is going to die from COVID, but 2% of people from this lot number died from the vaccine. So there's worse chance of dying from this lot number than the actual virus. I mean, it, right. it, you kind of weigh your, you know, weigh your options. If you were given those, those numbers before, why would you take the worse number? Right. Well, <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that all these, with this specific lot, all these, all these symptoms, these top symptoms, they um, they lead to other things that if they were not caught early and administered early treatment, lead to um, impairment or death. So an auto, an, yeah. So if you had the lymph, the lymph node issue, seventy-nine people in this batch had that lymph node issue, and if it continues to accelerate and get worse, your autoimmune issue is going to cause you to not be able to overcome certain colds and flus and other kind of illnesses that come through because um, your immune system is impaired. So um, I'm not a doctor, but these adverse events typically lead to other things if you don't treat them early, which is why you want to make note of these early symptoms. If you or a family member are experiencing them, check your lot number against the various database and um, do some research on your specific lot number so you can be aware, even if you're not uh, experiencing anything, if somebody, if somebody else from the same lot number is experiencing some of these, then you at least have first insight so you can compare and um, be a little bit more aware of what common things other people have experienced that may help you out so you can catch it early and hopefully seek early treatment or, um, do the best that you can with what we have. So let's do this. So I'm going to stop sharing. So now, Brant, you and your family, you're unvaccinated. You didn't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay. So um, did your vaccination status factor into your ability to kind of advocate for your mother if you were to go to the hospital with her or to kind of um, be there for her for her medical appointments did that factor in at all no i i haven't been to a lot of my mom's medical appointments we live so far away but okay. at, at the time of all that i mean it wasn't being forced you know mm. and it, it, it wouldn't have mattered anyways um it it where she's at in new orleans is they're really starting to force the vaccine a lot down there now so <clears throat> I know it's definitely about to start mattering, especially where she's at. There, uh, the mayor and stuff there is pushing and trying to push it on kids to go back to school and everything. 
you know, and just from my stance to somebody try to come tell me that I need to get this vaccine after what I've personally seen, what it did to my mother, just, it, it really infuriates me. I'm not going to lie. It's, I like, understand. It's understandable for, for parents and for grandparents who see the other side of the, of, of this specific emergency use vaccine to ask the common question, why would school boards um, and public health allow emergency use, um, you know, drugs onto kids and in, and even make it a condition to go to school or possibly be part of the vaccination schedule. It's not, it's not even out of EUA. So it, it um, and why the rush? So that's a common question as well uh, for many parents, but, um, Angelia, when you go to the hospital with your husband um, or anybody else who's, who's helping you and advocating for you, um, do they get any pushback in, if they are unvaccinated? Not is yet. Is it asked? Not yet? Okay, that's good. Not yet. No. Okay. I know some of my CVAR guests have really had that issue at the hospital if, um, if they got vaccinated or not and how they can advocate for their um family member who's being affected. Okay, so what kinds of medical tests did you did you undergo for and what were the symptoms for? So please tell us about that. So I spent five days in the hospital um, when all of this first happened to me. They did an echogram of my heart. What is the echogram? Um, it's like an ultrasound of your heart just to you know make sure everything was going on everything was fine um they didn't do a lot for me in the hospital they did an mri of my cervical thoracic and lumbar area and they why covered, why those areas because i had had um a wreck in 2018 and i had had some discs replaced so you know thinking maybe the tremors and convulsions might have been from my spine issues that I had had previously fixed. Um, that was, and they did a CT on my head without contrast, which would not show up anything anyway without contrast. That was pretty much all they did for me in the hospital for five days. Um, I got out of the hospital, went and saw a neurologist and had an EEG, which is shows seizure activity in the brain. Um, that was normal, although I was tremoring and shaking while they were doing it. Um, I had an EMG, that's a nerve conduction study test. Um, they said that was normal. I had a spinal tap to check for uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome or multiple cirrhosis. That was normal. Um, I did have an MRI of my brain that showed five lesions in the frontal lobe. Um, and so describe that, that for people. What, what, does, what does that mean, five lesions in the frontal lobe? What? Well, there's five lesions in my brain. And every neurologist that I went to said it was from a head trauma, which I've never had. I've, I've never had a head trauma. Is that like uh, a clot? Is that is like a clot or just a, is a cut in it, your brain? It's in the white matter of my brain. I don't, okay. I don't know. And um, I begged from January 
up until December for a new MRI of my brain. And I just got one that showed I had a brain hemorrhage. So, okay. and what does that mean for people? What does a brain hemorrhage do to you? A bleeding of my brain. Um, that could be a lot of my issues that I'm having. Um, I still haven't gotten back to the doctor yet to go over everything with him. Um, I am seeing a movement disorder specialist finally. It took me almost a year to get in to see somebody. Um, I've had hundreds and hundreds of labs run. Um, my ANA was positive, which shows some kind of autoimmune disorder. Um, then they would run it again and it would be negative, positive, negative, kind of going back and forth. There's not a lot of answers out there, you know, um, this latest thing shows, you know, that I had a brain hemorrhage. So could that have been the severe headache within two hours of the injection? I don't know, but it's a shame that it's taken this long to finally get somewhere. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this, because there's a couple other um, procedures that some of my other CVAR guests have done as well. Did you ever do a D-dimer test to see if you're deep clotting in deep yes. vein? And it what did was, that show? It was normal. It was normal. So, mm -hmm. deep, so no deep vein clotting. No. Um, okay. Cause, so maybe the brain fogginess was from what's going on in the brain. Okay. Did you ever do or ask for a blood smear to see what your, um, if there's any kind of abnormalities in your blood? I have had a blood smear. And what did and that it, show? It was normal. It was normal. It was no so so nothing in the blood smear. Okay. Um, did you do any HIV tests or any other STD tests to see if it made any difference? They did all that test on me in the hospital, and all of that came back normal. Okay. Okay. So those are the common ones that I haven't heard about. Um, yeah, and the spinal tap is not an easy thing. No, so you say pretty easy, like, oh, I got a spinal tap and I got this and it's, I got I, my tune up. But I spinal tap is pretty leak. heavy. I got a CFS leak and lay flat on my back for 20 days because I refused the blood patch. Yeah. So to go along with all of the other things, I had to deal with a spinal fluid leak. What is a spinal fluid leak? It's where your spinal fluid, they actually puncture and then the fluid starts leaking out which also causes severe headaches. So I was already dealing with severe headaches. So then I got a spinal fluid leak and it was pretty rough. If I did not lay flat on my back, that the headache was completely unbearable. Mm. Just getting up and going to the restroom was a challenge with that headache. Did they prescribe any therapies for you since they didn't find anything in all these different tests they did on you? No nope. therapies? Nope. Just psych psychiatric visits. <laughs> uh, and what's that for? Psychiatric. Yeah. What, what's, what, what is it for? Um, they diagnosed me with functional neurological disorder, which means that all of this was in my head. Um, I was told I must have been anxious or scared about getting the vaccine and the vaccine taking the injection triggered functional neurological disorder. But yet all this, the brain tests that you, you, you had came out that you had these uh, lesions and you had hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. So 
You have physical evidence that you have an injury. Mm -hmm. I have been completely gaslighted by the medical industry. And I tell you one thing, if I am ever able to go back to work, it will not be in the medical field. That career is over. Let me ask you something about um, the medical industry. Um, And there are good doctors who are not gaslighting vaccine injured people. What is the intent behind telling the people who have been injured shortly after the vaccine, who never had any pre-existing conditions, complete bill of health from the last um, checkup, and then shortly afterwards, they start developing these symptoms. Um, and there's an obvious difference between the medical records before and after. Um, and the medical doctors tell you, all of this is in your head. What is the intention of doing that? I mean, what's, what, are they, what, is, what is the purpose of that? They're scared. And why because do you think they're scared? You've, you've seen a lot of doctors, so you should know. <laughs> yes, and I, I work with a lot of doctors too. So I, I, I know they're scared. Um, they are threatened if they speak against the vaccines that their license will be under review. I know this. Um, I've seen emails circulating from our Louisiana Department of Health. Um, and what does the email say? If you spread misinformation about the vaccine, your medical license will be under review, pretty much. And spreading misinformation goes along with trying to treat a patient that's come in that's had adverse reactions after the vaccine. I mean, it, it all goes together. If you go against it and you say, hey, I think this was caused from her injection, then someone's going to have to look into that. They're not going to do they don't want to see people like us. And if they can hurry up and get us out of their office as fast as they can, write us prescriptions. I have been put on seizure medicines, but I have never been diagnosed with seizures. Now you tell me what sense does that make? You can put, you can write a prescription for me for a seizure, but you can't diagnose me with a seizure. That makes no sense. Right. Right. Um, that's 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 the thing that's been the most the, the most frustrating with many of my CVAR guests is the medical profession of not having integrity and accountability and not doing the due diligence of further research um, into what's going on with their patients. So um, what are your thoughts on how they can remedy that? I mean, is there a way to remedy that or is it just completely the, the profession is completely gone? Until they start acknowledging that there are adverse reactions out there and they let the doctors start doing their job and treating them, no one's going to get the help they need. Okay. One of the doctors actually prescribed you a early treatment after you got vaccine injured. So um, what did you get prescribed for your, to help kind of alleviate some of your symptoms? So in June, I had lost the use of my legs again, and I was in a very dark and low place, physically and mentally. Um, I had worked with American frontline doctors on a couple of litigations about trying to stop the emergency use of the vaccines going forward. You know, I gave them some testimony and, and filed a suit with them. And I called them and I said, all right, guys, I've helped you. Now it's time to help me. I, I can't walk again and I need some help. So they got me in contact with a doctor. I, I talked with him. 
uh, we had a long visit and he said, I want to try ivermectin on you. I know that sounds a little crazy, but let's just try it. So we tried it. I started my ivermectin on June the 9th. And by June the 20th, I was walking again. And to this day, I'm still on it. I've had my liver panels checked. My liver is fine. You know, all this hoopah about, oh, ivermectin, it'll kill your liver. It's, I can't speak for anyone else, but I can tell you my liver is fine. And I have been on a really big dose of prescription. It is the human form. It's not the horse paste um, since June. It helps me. It does. It helps the tremors. It helps the internal vibrations. When I have a really bad day, I take a full dose for me, which is 12 milligrams on a regular day. I so that's like, that's four pills. pills. That's four pills. Cause they typically come in three milligrams. Yes. So you took four pills four in a, pills. a yes. bad day. And on I a typical, take, on a typical day, do you only take one or I take many? six. I take a six. day, six yeah, in a six day milligrams. I'm sorry. Six milligrams. I take two. Okay. So two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just for everybody who doesn't know, because I have ivermectin, um, at the hospitals, at your, at your regular clinics, they're not currently supposed to pres prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine as the early treatment option, whereas other countries um, do, and it's part of the, the early health package that they just give out to, to citizens and civilians and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but in the United States, it's not allowed. Um, and for whatever reason, however, the caveat is you can get a prescription um, if you use an online pharmacist and I have it and I used it for COVID and I was just fine. So, um, but they come in three milligram, um, pills and they are not horse pills. Um, it, it's just a lower dosage for humans. And so, um, it is a legitimate prescribed, uh, Rx that you get from a licensed um, doctor or uh, registered nurse in your specific area that prescribes it to you. So you guys, through America's Frontline Doctors, I'll put that link in the description along with the link on where I get it. And there's many, many online pharmacists um, that will prescribe uh, various medications to people in the United States and then the pharmacy will um, fulfill it. The difference between the local ones versus the online ones um, is that when it comes to very popular uh, early treatment like ivermectin, sometimes the local uh, stores won't have as much supply, but if you order from, ahead of time, if you order from a online pharmacist, they actually pull from a warehouse of supply. So they'll have more. Um, so just kind of a little inside tip for the viewers there um, with, regarding that. But so you started taking ivermectin and then you were able to walk up the stairs for the first time? Yeah, um, I still have difficulty walking up and down stairs. I don't, I don't do that very well anymore. My legs shake out of control. I don't know why that happens, but it does. Um, but, you know, for just for anyone out there listening who might be vaccine injured, a lot of us vaccine injured are being treated like COVID long hauler patients. We have the same spike protein in our blood that you get from COVID. So a lot of the treatments for COVID are actually helping us. Like I went and did the monoclonal antibodies 
never had COVID, but I did mm. the antibodies and it probably gave me the best seven weeks I have had since January. So it kills all, you know, just anything that you can get to take the spike protein out of your body. I'll tell you right now, the, every, the hype going around about the pine needle oil, the pine needle tea, that doesn't work. I've got over, I've got thousands of vaccine injured friends that I have connected with. Mm. And as soon as that came out, you know, what was the first thing we did? We all got pine needle tea, pine needle oil, concentrated white pine oil. I mean, there, there's no sense of going out there and getting all of this stuff, guys. Uh, it doesn't work. You can't okay. detox this. You know, the best treatment is to be treated like you're a COVID patient. Let me ask you about that. Because we want to, you said some things that, um, so monoclonal chronal antibodies mm-hmm. um, at hospitals and clinics. And right now, under the current U.S. presidential administration, they paused it during Omicron. Um, that's a whole uh, different topic. But yeah. my husband got that for COVID. And it did help him. It did help him um, recover quicker. And he's unvaccinated. And in Washington, you have to be unvaccinated to get monoclonal antibodies, and you also have to fulfill some of the high-risk criteria. Um, my husband fulfilled some of that, and so he was able to get it. Now, they won't give it to somebody who's vaccinated. So why did they give it to you? Because I have a doctor friend. <laughs> okay. I have a I have a friend that I like. I said I've been in the medical field for a really long time, and um, he had him, and I mm-hmm. called him up and I said, "Hey, I think this might work. I've been doing a lot of studying. Um, we we did it. I've had two rounds of it. The second round didn't do me as good as the first round. I don't know why, hmm. but." man that first round I lived the best seven weeks of my life that I had lived I what did you I, do what did you do did you I go went fishing on again I went on vacation with my parents to the mountains and actually drove myself I mean we hiked up the mountains you know I was living my old life again are you so, continuing the cycle of the um monoclonal antibody treatment or that was just a two-time no, thing um, not after the last treatment. Um, the last treatment didn't help me at all. Um, it might have even made me a little bit worse. Hell, I don't know. You know, we're to the point now, you don't know what to do. You know, you you chase and you search for answers. Um, we, we're being told that this ozone therapy is the new thing for us vax injured. You know, go do the ozone therapy. And what is that? Uh, they filter out your blood and they filter it with a UV light and ozone. One of the vax injured was blonded in her left eye after it. So I'm so scared to try anything, you know, um, anything extra. And besides of that, there's not a lot of funds left. You know, I've been out of work since January of last year and all of these treatments are pretty much out of pocket. So, um, so the only thing that you're that you're using now is ivermectin. You just you're just getting you're just getting refills of ivermectin, and that's the only thing that seems to be working for you. 
the ivermectin. I'm on some muscle relaxers for the stiffened muscles. Um, just my normal pain medication because of the joint pain. Um, right now, that's it. Um, I do take a colonopin every once in a while when the. And what is that? What is that? It's for it's for seizures. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do take one of those just to kind of help get me through some days that I need it. Um, I try not to take them every day because that's something I don't want to be on for the rest of my life. So um, I've taken like gabapentin, Lyrica for nerve pain, did get no relief. Topamax, another seizure medicine, didn't get any relief. Um, <clears throat> I just, I, I'm, I'm doing all natural. I'm doing turmeric and ginger root and my vitamin D3 K. I've started that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going back all natural glutathione. Um, glutathione. It, now, let me ask you this. Um, various doctors that are sensitive are, are trying um, vitamins, certain vitamins. So you, you just said you, you try to glutathione. Thion. What about NAC? Have you tried NAC? Yes, NAC, um, GABA, G-A-B-A, um, magnesium, neuromagnesium. I am, you know, uh, I'm back on all of the natural stuff again. Um, I did all of that in the beginning in January. I was doing some IV infusions, vitamin IV infusions, but does that work I for you? No, I was. It didn't so work for you. Okay. At all. You know, like in the beginning, I, I was really, 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 really bad off. So is it getting out of my system? I hope to God that it is. You know, uh, Dr. Peter McCauley says 15 months. Well, I'm at 12 months. You know, he thinks after 15 months, it's going to be gone. Well, I let me ask you that. Let me let me ask you that. We're going to dissect, dissect that a little bit for people who are going through this or starting to develop symptoms because... Various vaccine injury is not, is, there's not a, a template at this time. If you are going to be that percentage that's going to be injured, it's going to happen at this time because different people um, will develop symptoms at different times. It's not a consistent across the board thing. And so um, 15 months, so like, this is what I noticed with you. January, you started getting adverse events. And then for many months, that's where the heavy adverse events were happening. And then by the second half of the year, it sounds like you were getting less of the severity. What changed? Did you do any kind of therapies or treatment that just that changed the, I, that? The ivermectin. Um, so I've, I've kind of noticed a pattern with all of us vaccine injured. Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, it's bad like for most of us that are in my group it's really bad and then you you kind of get a little bit better and then at about the six month mark things get really bad again you recover from that two months you know and it's like at least a monthly pattern that you go through okay i'm having a couple of good days here then i'm having a couple of bad days in november i had like three really bad, bad weeks. Like this was three weeks every day shaken again in November. You know, it was mm -hmm. just like I went right back to January all over again. 
So it's, and it seems to be a pattern as crazy as that sounds like when I'm having a bad day, I could check in in some of my groups and there's at least 50 of us having a bad day, a bad flare. I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I sure don't want to get down any of those crazy conspiracies, you know, about the 5G switches and all I mean, but something is definitely, we all seem to be on a pattern. Let me ask you this um, about patterns in the nature of your new body. Um, do you guys ever keep a journal to see if there's any factors that af that affect these flare-ups? Like if there's something that you're eating yes. that you're newly allergic to or anything like that? I kept a journal. I watched everything I put in my mouth. We monitored the weather. You know, okay. we have done everything and cannot make no rhyme or reason out of it. Like even down to the ones that have tattoos, what color of ink you have in your tattoo, you know? I mean, you literally start analyzing everything. We don't know. Let me just, let me just comment on something else that we were just talking about. Whenever you go to the doctor and the doctor runs all the tests on you and sees nothing wrong with you, and at the time you're in the doctor's office, you're not having a convulsion, you're not having a seizure, the doctor says you're perfectly healthy, you're fine. And at that point, your insurance company gets a report from your doctor's office visit that this person is healthy and will refuse to pay for any test, the MRI or CAT scan or whatever they might have done because there's nothing wrong. And then you go back to the hospital the next day because you got home from the doctor's office two hours later, had a, a tremor, full body convulsion started nobody knows what's going on you finally get to the hospital and they see you and then they think you're a drug addict or something because they don't they never see nothing like this i mean it's it's really something to think about if you're gonna take this and this does happen is you're thinking oh well, bad things are gonna happen to anybody with any vaccine and that may be true but if something like this happens, there is no financial help for you. There is nothing you, you can't. I mean, there, people say there's things you can do, but you can't. Even if yeah. you could sue Pfizer or Moderna or the government or whoever, you would have to have a doctor tell you on, in, in documentation that the vaccine caused this. And they will not tell. They will not say that right now because they will lose their license. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, it, it, well, the it, it, the patient is is stuck between a rock and, and a bad place. I and then I, I I'm really disappointed in the medical system, um, but you know, Angelia, you did testify to the Louisiana State Capitol, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and so you have found a way to use uh, what you're experiencing to try to raise awareness. So let's, I'm going to share the video of you testifying and we'll discuss what you testify about. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I wrote all my stuff down because I get memory loss and brain fog. Sure. And just uh, state your name. Sure. I'm Angelia DeSell. I'm from New Orleans. Um, I'm 45 years old and I was a healthcare worker. I managed a surgery center. On January the 5th, 
I took my first COVID injection. Three days later, I woke up and I was paralyzed from my legs down. Um, I spent five days in the hospital with not a lot of medical help out there for me. Um, I started having convulsions and seizures and it has been a complete nightmare ever since. Um, I carry a bag of seizure medicine with me now everywhere I go. As you can see, I'm pretty shaky because I've passed that point of taking my medicine today. Um, the NIH has actually finally reached out to me and I'm going to get some help. But this is why I'm sitting here today. My family and friends are not going to take this vaccine. They're scared. My neighbor is sitting right here with me has been my caretaker. These people are scared as what has I have been through. I was a healthy 45 year old woman with no underlying conditions whatsoever. And here I am today. I've lost my job. I can't drive. I'm a prisoner in my own home because I am afraid to go out in the public. You cannot discriminate, just like you were saying, Representative Freeman, about going to a Saints game. My family and friends are scared to take this vaccine. If we want to go to a Saints game, why in the world not let us go to a Saints game because we're not vaccinated? It's not fair. It's just not fair. I'm struggling, guys. Y'all just don't know. And it's real. I have a group of over 300 people just like me that has found me, that has reached out to me. This is real. And it's happening every day. And to the lady back here that was the little scientist earlier, Varys, I reported my injuries because Oshner Hospital would not report them on January the 21st. I reported them. Guess how long it was until I got somebody on the phone March the 5th. They have a backlog that long. 197,000 injuries from this vaccine. I'm not anti-vax. If I was, I wouldn't have taken the thing. I did it to save my parents. They're elderly. I lost my grandfather to COVID. So Representative Carter, I understand your fears. I totally understand you. Y'all just got to hear us out, the discrimination. All right. Thank you, Mrs. Estelle. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, we have Amanda Talley and Connie Sampagna. Okay. Okay. Those really, really good testimonies. So, you know, I, I noticed you mentioned addressing the vaccine passports uh, with the Saints game and people who are unvaccinated can't go to the Saints games and, and all of that. So, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on the vaccine passports and the mandates and inoculating children who are five years and older? That's a hot topic right now. This is not our free America. This is not the country that it used to be. You know, it should always be your body, your choice. And to try and tell me that I can't go into eat at a restaurant in the city because I am not fully vaccinated. I'm considered not vaccinated because I only took one dose. Um, my family's not going to take these vaccines. They're scared to death. You know, we all have the same DNA. Yeah. So I can't take my grandchildren to the movie theater if they want to come visit Nana. 
you know, I mean, I don't know if I would be able to anyways, but I'm just saying, you know, in the future, um, starting February the 1st, the mayor of New Orleans and the Orleans Parish has mandated all children five and up to be ordered to go to school, they have to be vaccinated. Now, you can follow religious exemption, but guess who has control over those religious exemptions? The school board. And if your child goes to school and is unvaccinated and they are in close contact with someone, they get sent home to quarantine for 10 days. If your child is vaccinated and is in close contact with someone who has COVID, they get to stay in school. Now tell me that's not some kind of discrimination. That is exactly what I was there at the Capitol fighting for that day. It's discrimination. That's a, that's a subject that will get my blood boiling in a minute. Um, what's going on in this country is not wrong. <clears throat> my daughter's school just sent out a, a memo Yet, uh, day before yesterday saying that they have updated their COVID guidelines that a child that is experiencing it said the, the old restrictions used to be two symptoms of COVID you would be uh, sent home to get tested and if you did not refuse if you refused to get tested you had to wait five days or something and you couldn't return until you didn't have any symptoms but now they've updated it to you have only to experience one symptom of COVID and I don't know if anybody has paid attention to the symptoms of the new variant Omicron, but it's and, everything that NyQuil will fix, coughing, mm -hmm. sore throat, runny nose. I mean, just simple cold-like symptoms. And they said that once the at-home tests become more um, easier to find, because everybody's buying them, they can't find them right now. But once they start getting more, the school will do a test for you there to find out if your child has the, the uh, COVID or not. For $25 a test. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, vaccinated or not, they, they didn't say in theirs that they needed to be vaccinated for the test or not, but it, it's just, I mean, when are we going to stop worrying about a common cold? Everybody's afraid to get sick. And um, but it, Omicron, many of the studies are showing it's so mild, it's basically another version of the cold, um, which but the cold and flu never took a vacation. It never took a vacation. But for some reason, it took a vacation. Think about that. I mean, we can go on with, with this conversation. Well, you know, let's fast forward. In Sweden, with regards to the vaccine passports, over 5,000 Swedes have inserted microchips into their hands with the vaccine status. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I have no thoughts. <laughs> I mean, all I can do is laugh. I don't know what's becoming of this world. You know, go catch the cold. Get natural immunity. That's where we need to be. Natural immunity, because these vaccines are not the answer. These mandates are not the answer. Yeah, we have a huge rally that we are doing um, January the 23rd in Washington, D.C. Um, I'll be there. I'll be speaking. You know, this is this has got to stop. It has to. Yeah. And I'm going to put the link for the rally in the description as well for people. If you're truly worried about getting sick and all this uh, vaccine is not going to help you, all these 
early treatments might help some, but if you're really worried about it, you need to get healthy. You need to start eating better. You need to start exercising. You need to treat your body right. You know, if you take it back, think about it like a car. If you constantly clog up your car's filter and give it the wrong oil, give it dirty gas over time, I mean, a couple of times it's probably going to run just fine, but over time, eventually it's going to break on you. Your body's the same way. If you're constantly feeding junk into your body, you're overweight, you're doing all these unhealthy things. You know, I don't think anybody is born with bad issues. I think it's something that somebody done down the line that caused it. And some things are hereditary, yes, but somewhere along the line, somebody ingested ate something they'd done something wrong to their body that caused an issue you know when people say well i got cancer well, sometimes you know, they smoked for 40 years and they ended up getting lung cancer or sometimes they ate things that had chemicals in it and eventually it develops into things and now they're distributing a vaccine into the entire world that they have no idea what's going to happen long term yeah. well that's a really good last message um is there any last message, Angelia, that you want to leave people with? Yes. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. Um, I get so many messages from vaccine injured. Um, I do have a private group that's just more personal. We help people get through our day-to-day -day life living like this. We're there for each other. Um, we're all family now, you know, so... You can find me through Facebook. It's Angelia Gibson DeSalle. You can reach out to my son. My son forwards me messages all the time. We are here for you. We love you. We might not have all the answers, but we can give you the support that you need. And just hang in there, guys. We're going to get through this. Well, Angelia and Brent, thank you so much for being so brave to fight through the heavy censorship to tell your experiences. You can follow Angelina's story, like she said, on her YouTube channel. And the GoFundMe account is in the sh show description. So thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another insightful conversation here at Zivar. Until next time, blessings and God bless you all. Thank you. As a public service announcement, the COVID-19 inoculations was recently added to the U.S. Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. You have one year from your inoculation date to submit your claim. You must include one year of medical records prior to your COVID-19 inoculation date or remdesivir ventilator-related death, and two, all your medical bills up until the submission and prior as well. If your claim is approved, it may cover reimbursement, payment of medical bills, lost employment income, assistance if you have no medical insurance, and payment to beneficiaries if vaccine injury related in death. Details are in the show description. Again, thank you for watching CVAR. Until next time, God bless you all. We hope you enjoyed this episode of CVAR, where vaccine injured share resources and hope without censorship. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. The views expressed are for information purposes, but do not replace any medical or legal advice. Please subscribe for more interviews. Blessings.